Hey, 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 guys. Welcome back to the Take Control Podcast. This is Darielle. It's Kim. (laughs) 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 It's been a while. We're trying to adjust. It's funny. All right. So let's jump right into it. Um, Do you guys have any shout outs? No. No. I thought I did, but I can't think so. Um, if it comes to mind later, I'll shout them out at the end. But um you can follow us on social media. Um, our Instagram is Take Control Podcast, our Twitter is Take Control Pod, Facebook group Take Control Podcast, and our email is take control podcast at gmail.com. <clears throat> All right, so we have two listener questions here. The first one says, why are men rapists and why do their friends support them even though they know their friends are rapists? I've been seeing a lot of this talk on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So this originated, um, this is from Elsie, which is one of our listeners. This originated from, apparently there's a Kappa in Columbus that is like accused of raping somebody. And before anybody found out, I guess the girl had put a story out and... Um, it quickly got dismissed, quickly got like, whatever, you're making that up. And then he, I guess the Kappa put out a statement and all his homeboys were like, yeah, she's tripping, she's lying, blah, 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 basically being an alibi for him. Mm. So I don't know much about the story and that story may, that I just said may have like it's hits or misses or whatever, but apparently like it's a big problem in that type of, in that type of world, I guess. And a lot of people, I guess, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't see the argument, but there was a big back and forth, I guess, on on Twitter throughout Columbus of like, why are we protecting this man? And then the other half was like, he didn't do anything, though. So I don't know the full story. I know a little bit of like back end, but I don't know. Uh, That's heavy for me. I don't know if I can answer that, to be honest. I mean... Anything I've ever researched or seen um, when it comes to rape is that it's never about sex. It's about control. Um, One thing that didn't sit well with me when I read it is that the way it was worded, and I don't want the listener to take this the wrong way, is that it kind of came off like only men can be rapists. And that's not a narrative I want to push because when women can also rape men. Yeah. Um, but to answer the question, I think it it's a control thing mm-hmm. um, more than anything else. I don't think it's ever about the sex. And then I was listening to something. It's like, I really think we have to change the language around sex. You know what I mean? Um, I can't remember what I was listening to, but it was just like, they were basically saying like, this has to be like a really crazy time for men to live in because we don't have the language as far as like the green lights, the red lights. You know what I mean? Men were always taught like, you kind of have to chase after a woman. No means yes. All You know what I mean? It's just, I think we really got to have bigger conversations about what to do and what not to do. Yeah. I think too, she was posing the question just because of the discussion that they were having. 
it was focused around the man. So I don't think she was saying, you know, just men can, you know, be rapists or whatever, but it was just the discussion of like, and this is nothing against fraternities or anything like that of who's in it, but I think brotherhood or like sisterhood anyway, you tend to cover up your friends regardless if you realize you're doing it or not. I agree. You know, and I think that's a big part, like when she kind of asked like, and why do men cover it up? I think that sometimes in friendships, people have unintentional, like, um, unintentional ways of covering things up regardless if they should or shouldn't, you know, just because you do have that loyalty to, to that person. But at the same time, because you have that loyalty to that person, you got to understand what's best for that person, too. And covering up the wrongs that they're doing just because that's your your nigga or your chick doesn't make it right, you know. Yeah. And I think we just live in a patriarchy society. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like what women want or what we don't want doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think you like it's like you said that brotherhood almost like with the police, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They protect each other when they're out here killing people. Yeah. Um but I think it takes for someone to step up and say this is wrong. Yeah. I you know agree. what I mean? Um, I don't really have much to say because I really don't like to get into touchy subjects because I don't really understand or know why people do what they do. Um, but I do agree that, um, about the friends supporting or, you know, backing them up because of loyalty and it's cold and, you know, or you want to believe that your friend isn't out here doing that. So, you know, um... But when you were talking, Brandy, it made me think about the show we did, Does Know Me Know. Mm-hmm. So we did a show on that topic, so I just wanted to plug that so you can go back and listen to it. So, <laughs> But yeah, I don't really have much to say about this because I, I don't like touchy stuff like this. All right, so our next question says, what part can the black community play in stopping the hypersexualization of black women at such a young age? Okay, so this one is from Sally, and basically the discussion on this was um, kind of, basically she was saying that, like, obviously black women typically nine times out of ten are are developed women. We have beautiful Mm -hmm. shapes, the whole nine, that type of thing. And sometimes those sprout early on. So I'm trying to make this sound like the best I can without it sounding fucked up. But it's basically like having a black kid next to a non-developed whatever other race kid. And that black kid gets sexualized no matter what because she's already got, you know, the body going on. And that could Mm -hmm. be any kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know, too, that they were having a discussion as well um, who Sally was talking with about, like, even within their own culture and family that like their uncles and stuff will make slick comments to them when they're young. Um, just little things like that. And I remember, I mean, growing up, I remember like family members or like friends of family saying things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I had a friend whose dad, no matter what said inappropriate things to me. And he's known me since I was 12. And the worst thing he ever said to me, I remember being 17 years old, 16 or 17 walking to his nephew's graduation. And he was like, damn, you have a fat ass. And I'm like, you're my best friend's dad. And at this point, you've known me for four years. Mm-hmm. And that's what comes out of your mouth. Like, and I'm like, what? Like, I just don't understand mm-hmm. who's, why they think it's okay to say things like that. I don't know. 
Because people are gross. <laughs> so nasty. The only thing that really came to my mind is just letting kids be kids. Right. I think sometimes um, parents let their kids grow up too fast, especially like boys. Um, I feel like they're allowed to get away with more or men try to teach their sons like chase women, like women, be into women. And I think that probably, I don't know. I don't, that's just my opinion. I don't yeah. know. I'm just, that's just what's crossing my mind. Like maybe it's something about letting your kids grow up too fast. Maybe. I don't know. I, I agree with Darielle. I remember, it's funny you said that, Kim, because I remember when I was like, I think when I turned 11, maybe 12, I went from having no breasts to them popping out of nowhere, like <laughs> literally out of nowhere. And I think I might have been 13 and my dad's friend, grown man, had to be late 30s, 40s at the time, had mm-hmm. made a comment about my breasts. And looking back on it now, it's just like, that's really creepy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think probably even at the time it made me really uncomfortable, but I didn't have the words to express it. Um, But back to Darielle's point, I think that it starts with just teaching our kids what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Like I literally had to have a conversation with my parents a couple of weeks ago because we were sitting at the table and they were, well, my dad was making some inappropriate comments about, um, homosexuality and I was just like that's not okay like right. it's not okay to say that in 2020 you need mm-hmm. to say something different you know what I mean so I kind of had to educate him like that's not cool you know what I mean that right. it, it could be one of your kids it, it's just not okay yeah so I think it starts with like Darielle said allowing our kids to be kids and telling young men like you know what I mean don't say that to a young lady or telling your daughters, like, you know what I mean? Don't, because young women have a habit of talking about other females. Like, yeah. oh, she, because she has hips, she has butt, she has breasts, she's yeah. a slut or she's this or she's that. Like, I remember going to a, going to elementary school with a young lady who was my friend and we were literally in third and fourth grades and she was a D-cub. And it was just hereditary. You know what I mean? And she was always labeled as fast. It was nothing she could do about it. It was hereditary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it just starts with really telling our kids, like, that's not okay. Don't do that. Censoring what they watch. Censoring what they listen to. Because, believe it or not, they know what they're hearing. Yeah, they do. You know what I mean? And it plays a part. So Mm -hmm. I think it starts with the kids. I think, too, it, it kind of ties in, too, with, like, starting with kids and then having parents, like, being able to sit down and let them know that, like, it's okay to have the features of, you know what I mean, like, the boobs and that type of thing. Like, I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but, like, I got bullied young for having hips, and I didn't I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know what they understood, but people would always clown me for just be, having wide hips, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I was insecure about those until I became an adult, and now hips is what everybody wants. And then same thing with my boobs. Like, I don't have huge breasts now, uh, but I actually have stretch marks on my boobs because they grew so fast, so quick. I remember being in fifth grade and everybody being like, 
why do you have, are you stuck in your bra? Why, why do your chest look like, you know what I mean? All this type of stuff. And I was like, no, I just, and I remember at the time I didn't even have bras because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything about it. And 70% of the time was with my dad. So he doesn't know, you know, she's got to get bras soon. So I remember sitting there, I still remember the shirt I had on. Cause it was like one of the most, it was probably the first time I remember ever being insecure as a young girl. I was in fifth grade. I think I was 11 and I remember sitting at the table and I remember wearing like this brown little fitted shirt that I always wore. And I remember seeing like my chest move and remembering in that moment that like I didn't have a bra on and it made me feel so insecure and so small that like I just kind of shut down the rest of the day. And then I think that day I had my dad go take me and get me some, but it's just like to be able to know that like, that's okay. You know what I mean? That's going to happen to you. Some women develop more, early on than others and they shouldn't be bullied for it you know what I mean being bullied for something that is supposed to naturally be there is fucked up and like you said having the the dads or uncles or friends of your dad and uncle make comments like that just makes you it makes you like feel weird like to this day as a grown-ass woman if I were to be around that same man I don't feel comfortable yeah you know what mm-hmm. I mean because he's been sexualizing me since I was a kid whether he sees it or not mm-hmm. from the time I was 12 and beyond like my dad always always would ask me about him, like, I feel like he hugs you too long. I feel like he looks at you weird. I feel like this. I feel like that. He was like, I would never do that with your friends. He was like, and I don't I don't even think that way. He goes, I just know a man's place and an adult, especially an adult man. And my dad's a teacher. He knows his place. And he's not walking around sexualizing all my friends or, you know, if it's somebody your age, buddy, go ahead. I don't care. Talk about it with all you want. Tell him that you want that thing. But when it's a young child like that, that's not, it's gross. It just makes you feel gross. And then it almost makes you feel wrong for having those features. Like I felt wrong for having hips. I felt wrong for having my boobs sprout early, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's just another bullying tactic. And I think it's ridiculous. And as adults, you sh- they're not realizing that, but you are bullying a kid by making comments like that. Yeah. I think we are the first generation of people where we're aware and like we're having these conversations Mm -hmm. I don't think our parents had the tools or their parents had the tools to do this you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and to teach like that's not okay you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like even now I'll like somebody I'm dating and it's like having a conversation like I really want a breast reduction and all they can see is like the sexual side of my breast and it's like these things just aren't comfortable like right. you know what I mean so like there's health reason to it yeah so it's just I think it's better conversations that we need to have with um our kids and things like that I definitely agree starts young I agree okay well thanks for taking what I said and making it sound better because <laughs> I was you know <laughs> we started we sprouted for you you put the foundation in there so thank you uh yeah <laughs> Okay, so next question. So you meet a man and he's handsome, very well learned, faithful, and all about you. He does everything you love and exceeds your expectations in all rooms. Sex is a is grade A even, but he's five five. Are you gonna dismiss him or are you staying? I seen this on Facebook and I was like, let me add this because this is funny. Bye bye. <laughs> I mean, this is funny because someone had asked a question on Twitter like this. Um, height really matter or are you going to date a short man and I was like well you know typically I go for a taller man you know six foot and above but after dating you know a fairly short man 
<laughs> it's not that bad. As long as he's taller than me and, you know, I can still wear heels, I'm fine. But 5'5", five, five, I'm 5'3". If I wear heels, I might be a little taller than you. So I ain't even looking at a 5'5". Five, five. I'm 5'2". So heels were probably neck and neck. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like if he's that great of a guy, I could probably overlook it. Like, I'm going to have to check myself. Like, girl, you being real shallow. But at the same time, now I'm exposing myself because I put this on Twitter. But (laughs) (laughs) a really short man typically have really small hands and really small hands creep me out. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so weird. (laughs) It's a thing. Like, you know how people have a phobia of little people? Like, yeah. I have a phobia. <laughs> so, have you never dated a man, a short, shorter man? I don't think I've dated anybody that's 5'5". Five, five. Maybe, like, 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, yeah. Like, Ashley's height. Yeah. 5'8 um, and above is cool. Yeah. Because I'm only 5'2". I don't know. But the little hand thing is stressing me. <laughs> um, so, I'm 5'3". And I honestly wouldn't mind it. My dad is only 5'6", and my mom was is 5'5". Five five. So, like, they were always neck and neck. They just were. Um, but my dad was worth it to her because of all the qualities that he had. So, for me, I would be fine with it. And it was actually, like, I felt like God was telling me to stop looking for the physical so much. Mm-hmm. Because he gave me the person I wanted but the person I wanted wasn't 6'4 and brown skin and built like Kobe Bryant. But he's <laughs> everything that I have prayed for, yeah. you know, in the whole nine. So I think that taught me, like, stop looking for physical and look for what's inside. Because I was very shallow. Because I come from a fam- family of fitness people. I don't know if mm-hmm. I told down here or not. So for me, I'm like, you got to look good. got to be tall. got to have that perfect teeth, perfect hands. I like hands because my dad has nice hands. So for some reason, I've always looked at men's hands and I like, like, strong looking man hands you can't have, you cannot <laughs> have yeah they're not it they can't be short and they can't be skinny i can't they need to be like bulky like you could pick me up and throw me in the fucking right. air hands and then i really like teeth so like and i was just looking for all these physical things yeah and yeah. god put the person i needed right in front of me and i couldn't see it for like a year and then i realized oh yeah you gave me what i wanted Without the physical, so thank you. Yeah, so I could, I could do it. It's not that bad. Yeah, I could honestly, do it. Honestly, like, and I'm used to my dad being five six, and we sometimes I'm like, Dad, you sure you're not five three? Because we right here, <laughs> I'm almost looking at your eyeballs. Yeah, it's it's not it's not an issue, you know. At this point in my life, if you have all these great things going for yourself, I don't care if you was saying. five foot second. <laughs> <laughs> you could be four eleven. Let's go. <laughs> I'm getting my knees taken out. Ew. <laughs> Okay, I was gonna say something, but Brady's got to cut it, so never mind. Um, all right, so I this is fairly old, but like I was still wanting to discuss. Um, so one of these little blog sites posted some pictures of Trey Songs and his baby mother, and I did not appreciate the comments because people just saying like oh you could have done better she's not that cute 
Y'all seen her picture? And she's pretty. Like, she's gorgeous. Like, I just don't understand. My thing is, if you think that's ugly, then I must be fucking <laughs> shit. Because <laughs> make it make sense. I don't understand. Like, y'all, I don't I don't know what people expect. Yeah. Like, what do they expect? When I seen it, I will say I was surprised. If I had to guess what his mother's, I mean, what his child's mother would look like, that's not what I would have guessed. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna cut that out, but you can't hear this now. Picking up, it's not what I would have guessed. Now she is very beautiful. I will say that, and what I what I felt was happiness because it made me feel like she's a normal girl. She is a mm-hmm. Brandy, a Dario, a Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made me it made me happy. I don't know why people were hating about that. And my thing is, is like, I don't think it's really showing me that like women, we do all of this like fine tuning and makeup and hair and nails and all of that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I don't really think men give a shit. No, they don't. As long as you got that thing between your legs, they don't give a fuck. (laughs) They don't care. So, yeah, I don't understand why people, but people gonna always have a problem with something. Of course. I mean, I thought she was beautiful. Like you said, it almost made me feel like, oh, you know, I could bag me a Lance Cross. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Look like his wife anyway. Um, But no, like, like you said, it is like looking at one of us and being like, oh, okay, I, you know, that type of beauty may finally be accepted in the celebrity world, right. you know, without having to lose 20 pounds and make sure she still has hips and an ass and no stomach. You know right. what I mean? Like, I think she looks beautiful too. I'm like, oh my God, finally, you know, something we can relate to. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like so happy going. Yeah. Like, they do. I hope they're yes. together. Yeah. Honestly. And Trey Songz knew what he was doing when he got shorty. Like, he's like, I yeah. want a wholesome, beautiful woman that's down to earth. Not, mm-hmm. I have to make sure, you know, like Brandy said, everything's up to par and I look good all the time. No, fuck you. If I break a nail, I'm still a tan, bitch. Like, I still look good. Right. So, fuck you. But I think she was cute. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right. So... I put this question on here just because I've been noting some toxic traits from my parents. <laughs> and um, I feel like they do this a lot more to my sister just because I'm older. But, like, they will cook, clean, or cook, leave dishes out, and then tell my sister, call my sisters while she's upstairs, like, come put these dishes away. Come put my plate up. Like, basically treating them like servants. No. And when they be looking at them like, you can put up your own plate. Well, I pay the bills or your dad is a man of the house so you can clean up after him. I just be feeling bad for them because I be like, I understand those are your children, but they are not your servants. They're not your maids. And just because you pay bills and he's a man of the house doesn't mean that they have to pick up after you. You're grown as fuck. Clean up after yourself. Yeah, that's crazy. What was the comment about their dad? That he's the man of the house. Oh, okay. So basically, like, you know, he'll go in the kitchen, make some coffee, make breakfast, and just leave it there, and they're expected to clean it up. Which I understand. Your kids have chores. They do have to clean up. But it's like, come on. But they can clean up their own mess 
yeah. and that's what you should be telling your kid off rip like don't leave that plate at the table that's yours mm-hmm. but like you said you're a grown-ass person and you got that stuff out why can't you put it back i could totally understand cleaning up your own mess like it irks my nerves when a kid will come over and they just leave their shit i'm like yeah. Did nobody tell you put it up like if i go babysit i'm like your parents may not tell you to, but you need to pick up that plate, put it in the sink, rinse it off with some water, put it down so your mom can properly wash it off. Right. But for a grown-ass person, like... Yeah. I and, just, and like you said, to throw money, though, at it and be like, well, I pay for this, so... Right. It's, I pay bills. You owe me. Like, what's that teaching them when they do get relationships or friendships? Now you owe that person just because they paid for your dinner. Right. I try to tell them, I'm like, y'all are being really toxic. Yeah. What did they say? They got defensive. My mom's like, well, you're toxic. I said, well, I know oh I'm toxic, God, but mom. I'm getting help. Okay. Damn. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like, I love my mom to death. She means well. She's a great mother, but she just has some things about her that she needs to work through. And that is yeah. one of them. Like, I just think it stems from her childhood and, you know, her parents being hard on her and tough love and she had to do everything for herself. So it's just kind of like, you know, well, I didn't have it easy. You can't have it easy. The the world is not going to be soft on you, so you just got to toughen up. And it's just like, that's not okay. Yeah. It's become normalized. Like I said, when I was having that conversation with my parents, my dad was literally like, I'm old and I'm from the South. I don't know no better. Like, what? <laughs> but the fact that you know you don't know any better means you, you do. do. What? Like, you do. You know what I mean? Well, do better. Like, I don't yeah. understand. It's just like they use excuse after excuse after excuse. And it's just like... I think the good thing about once you become an adult, and I was having this conversation with Ashley, it's like once you realize that your parents are just people mm-hmm. and they're not these super women and super men that we had this idea of as kids or whatever the case may be, it makes it a whole lot easier to take <clears throat> and throw away the things that they taught you growing up Mm -hmm. and to instill something different in your kids. Like I have those conversations with my sister, like just because your mom is telling you that don't mean you have to Mm -hmm. live that way. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean anything. That's just her perspective and you can create your own. So I think the only thing you can do is just tell your sister something different because Mm -hmm. I do think that's creating a toxic situation for them when they get in relationships and i feel like i know one of my sisters she will speak up like sometimes she'll be like no or she'll just let it sit there but it's like she also has to understand like my mom ain't gonna let that shit slide so it's like she just it's like walking a thin line but i do like that she is starting to speak up for herself and that she recognizes that this is not okay you shouldn't be like this so hopefully you know, they learn from it and they don't carry that on as they get older. But I just feel like I don't, I just don't like when parents feel like you owe them. Yeah. I didn't ask to be here. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, don't make your kids feel like just because you gave them life or you do this and that, that they owe you everything because they don't. I was listening to something I think it was earlier, and basically they were saying, like, our only job as parents is to make sure we provide our children with safety, 
a happy life as much as possible and to guide them in the best possible direction. Like, we don't own them. They are Mm -hmm. their own people with their own thoughts, their own feelings. Like, we can't portray on them, or excuse me, project on them who we want them to be, how they should think, how they should act. It was the friend zone, and it was like, the get the good kid versus bad kid in psychology today was basically saying like good kids are always the ones who just shut up and listen that are seen and not heard mm-hmm. and it was like i don't want to be that kind of parent nope. like i do think a kid should have boundaries and to a certain extent mm-hmm. a kid needs to stay in a kid's place but i want my kids to feel seen right so yeah i definitely i've been reading this book And it was talking about how, you know, basically, you know, you start off as this innocent child, happy child, but then you learn your behaviors and ways of life from your parents. But then as you get older, you have to realize you don't have to be like that. You don't have to stay like that. And you can't blame them or everyone else, you know, just because that's what you were taught. And now you're this unhappy person. It's like, oh, it's my parents' fault. And it's not because they were a kid, too. They got taught things, too, so they don't know better. So you can't blame your parents all the time. So it's just like growing up and learning what's okay and what's not okay. I mean, I agree with that part, Dariel, where it's like you can't blame your parents for basically the issues you have as as an adult. And it took me a minute to get to that place where I finally could be like, okay, I'm not blaming my mother anymore because she did the best she knew how how she could. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm learning now that pretty much everything that she did as a mother has affected me negatively as an adult. But I can't blame her for that. You know what I mean? She did what she could, how she could. And I don't know. I may fuck my kids up one day. You know, not even on purpose. But I'm just doing what I can the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's just a very thin line. And it's all about the verbiage that you use. Like my mom telling me, she has four kids, so her telling me if she could do it all over again, she'd have one or none of us, was her basically apologizing for not being able to provide, but it's how she said it. So that left us as kids feeling like we were undervalued. Mm -hmm. And then we would go to eat and get something other than water. Her first comment was, that was $3, you have to drink three of those. Again, that was her, yeah, again, it's fucked up. Again, that was her trying to be like, teaching me the value of a dollar but it's how she did it at that Mm -hmm. point I felt like I wasn't worthy of juice I wasn't worthy of the $20 meal I had to get the $10 one and just I didn't like what I was eating but if I got the $20 one and didn't finish it all her first comment was I spent money on that and you didn't finish it okay now you're showing me that I'm not worth the money being spent on this food Mm -hmm. and you know again to her it was just her showing me the value of a dollar but that's not what a kid is registering Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so as an adult now, I'm noticing habits of like when I go out to eat and somebody's taking me on a date, I unintentionally will get water and like the cheapest thing that I like. And now I'm trying to like get out of that habit, but it's because my mom instilled that as me as, as a kid. You know what yeah. I mean? You're wasting somebody's money when you get what you want. And then same thing with her like making the comment about not wanting all of us. It made me feel like I have to prove myself in friendships and prove myself even to like being a daughter for her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And again, it, it wasn't her... And that's the thing, separating, like, knowing people's intentions and then accepting that they can't become, like, beyond that. You know, like, I know she wasn't purposely being like, I don't want to be your mom and you're not worth my money. She didn't say or mean any of that. 
but it's how you take it as a child. Right. So I think parents need to be very, very intentional and be as much aware as they can be. No parent is perfect. No family is perfect. No relationship between Mm -hmm. them is perfect. But trying to, you know, be more aware of what you say to kids and realize that they don't have the mind skills, for lack of a better word, to work through those things and know what they really mean, you know? Yeah. I agree with that because sometimes when I get, like, really upset, I might say some things and then I think about it like that wasn't okay. So I always make it, you know, a point to go back and apologize or try to encourage them. Or, like, the other day when we were doing poster boards, I wanted it to be about what do you love about yourself? Or let's just do, like, a a goals list, talk about your future. And Royce did great. But MJ just put a bunch of stickers and some bullshit. And I was just like, MJ, you didn't follow the rules. But I was like, you know what? I love it. It's you did a good job. I'm proud of you just because he participated. So I didn't want him to feel like his wasn't good enough. Right. So I try to like catch myself and watch what I say because I don't want them to feel how I feel. Like, you know, I don't know. But it's just I don't know. That's a good perspective too though. Like if you look at yourself as a kid and how things made you feel, mm-hmm. you kind of cause that's honestly low key how like parenting can work to an extent is like realizing how something your parents said to you will affect you and make you feel that way. Like for me, I will never tell my kids life would be easier without you. No shit. I wouldn't have a whole human to take care of. Mm-hmm. I can tell my friends that when we sit down for cocktails, like damn little Jimmy getting on my fucking nerve, but I'm not going to sit him down at the dinner table and be like, you really fucking irk my nerves today. And I wish I never had you, you know yeah. what I mean? Or however you verbiage that. And then I'm also never going to make my kids feel like I don't have it. You know what I mean? And God forbid that I don't, you know, have that situation, but I'm going to do my best as a parent to feed my kids, but I don't ever want them to feel like I don't deserve these chicken nuggets because mom didn't have $20 today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have to struggle and figure it out and maybe ask my dad for a loan or whatever the case may be, but feel how that made me feel. And then seeing it as like how it's affecting me as an adult is like, I don't ever want to do that to my kids, you know? So I agree with you when you're like, look at yourself and take yourself into perspective and be mm-hmm. like, you know, when I was a kid and my mom did that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I salute you, Dario, because I see how you talk to them and stuff. And it's such a sweet tone versus what I saw. You know what I mean? And nine times out of 10, that's usually what I see. And again, no shots at my mother or anything like that. I love her. Like, you know, that's my mom. But it saddens me sometimes when I do see my friends that are mothers, how they nurture their kids or like seeing my friend's parents nurture them. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just that, that different style of parenting. You know what I mean? Everybody's styles are going to be different and not everything is perfect, but you know, just try to be mindful, I guess. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I feel like I was saying this the other day, like I don't ever feel like I didn't feel seen, but I would love to have the conversation with my sister because we're 11 years apart Mm. and she's the oldest. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to somebody about this and I was like, I can see certain things in my sister now as an adult that was shaped when she was a kid with the introduction of a new baby. Mm -hmm. Because for your whole, for your first 11 years of life, it was just you. My mom was closer to my grandparents than my aunt and my uncle. So she was, really the only grandchild around too and then you have this new baby and all this attention is no longer just on you Mm -hmm. so I can see certain things in my sister and adult now and it's like damn I want to have that conversation with her because I know our experiences are totally different right and 
I don't like I see issues within myself when it comes to relationships and how I was raised. Yeah. Not necessarily just as like an individual and out here feeling seen and being able to be myself. Like I felt like my mom allowed me to figure things out and make mistakes and learn from them. But I think she not messed me up, but could have done some things differently when it comes to loving other people and being present for other people and things like that. But, like, I would love to hear what your sisters have to say about their parenting experience compared mm-hmm. to yours. yours yeah. Yeah. And it didn't hit me until the other day. I was literally like, my sister got a totally different parent than what mm-hmm. I got. Yeah. My mom was 17 when she had my sister. She was 29 when she had me. And just thinking, like, where I was at in 17 and where I was at at 29, yeah. it was just like, damn, like. I low key just want to hug my sister. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's real quick. My brother is only a year and a half older than me, and even we have different views. Like, mm-hmm. he thinks my mom hates him, and he thinks my dad hates him, but my dad did everything for him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then my dad, I'm like, oh, my dad loves me, and you know, my mom feels the same way about all of us. But a year and a half apart, and he even has a different, like, view. I feel like the first child always gets <laughs> the, the child shit end of the, Yeah. That's they're the guinea pig. Cause I feel like that. Like I'm twelve years apart from my sisters. And I feel like there's a little resentment there. Not towards them, but like I'll be looking at my mom like you got me fucked up. Like <laughs> you ain't do that with me. Like you ain't sit and check my work with me. You ain't you know, like with me, she let me be a quitter. I got to quit everything. If I didn't want to do it anymore, I didn't get to do it. But with them, she pushed them to have a better setup for their lives. Like they're going away to college. I wasn't allowed to go away to college. She was like, I ain't paying for shit. But, you know, she saved a hell of money for them to go to school. And I'm just, I'd be looking at her like, what the fuck? <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I just have to realize like she just, you know. She's doing what she can, and she learned from it, and I'm just glad that they're off to a better start than I was. So, yeah. I mean, that's true. Like you said, that she probably learned through raising you that, like, I probably shouldn't have done this to Darielle. Yeah. So I have to do it differently. But, you know, so my brother's the oldest. We're a year and a half apart, and then I have a sister that's seven years younger than me, and then a brother that's 18 years younger than me. So... I mean, from my mom's perspective, we all have gotten, like, if all the siblings sat down, we all have the same, regardless of years apart, we all have the same view of my mother. But, and we all have the same view of my grandma in a positive way. But my brother, who was older than me, I mean, my dad babied him like no other. Like, his first car, my dad bought it. First job he got, my dad got it for him. Mm -hmm. And I was the opposite. First car I got, I had to pay for it myself. I had to get a job at 14 and that I found on my own. And I just, from then on, and then it was almost like, I mean, my dad tells me to this day, he was like, of course I worry about you because you're my child. He was like, but I know that like nine times out of 10, if you're struggling with something, you'll figure it out. But I know your brother won't. Mm. And we're only a year and a half apart and we were raised in the same house and all that type of stuff. So I don't know if my dad just saw us differently because of gender roles but you, people always tell me, well, that's opposite. Your dad, it seems like your dad would, like, baby you because you're the girl and the baby. But they, he babied your grown brother 
And to this day, he does it. Like, if my brother needs his brakes fixed, my dad will pay for it. If I need my brakes fixed, sure, you better get them fixed or you running in the back of somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just interesting. I was doing that. Um, the group meetups we had, um, this is a shout out to Just Breathe. Um, I think their Instagram is Just Breathe One. But it's basically like a um, anybody can go. It was, um, I think they're going to start Zoom meetings now, but it was twice a month same topic and we were talking about um childhood childhood traumas and then childhood something else and then we all got on the the topic of like your siblings are gonna have completely different views Mm -hmm. regardless if you're like close or like far in age and it's just wild to me that like parents even that close in age can still not on purpose but treat their kids different yeah it's crazy to me it's like royce asked me the other day like well, he almost slipped up and almost said he doesn't think he liked his brother when he was younger. And he was like, well, never mind. I did. And I'm like, you did. I'm like, but I think the issue was that you were so used to being the only child and getting all the attention. And with me, you know, having him young and then the experience was different. I didn't really have Royce's dad around, but I had MJ's dad. So MJ automatically got a more loving experience because I was older and more mature and I realized that I wasn't as loving with Royce just because of generational shit. So with MJ, I tried to be different and I think that kind of made him feel left out or feel like he was less loved. And so, but I tried to explain to him, like, you know, you did, you love your brother, you you still love your brother, but I think you just had a trouble trying to understand that it wasn't all about you. Well, I think so. it's a good that you're even telling him that. You know what I mean? Like, my mom would never sit down with us and be like, this is not what I meant. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She would just say it. And she would leave it at how it was, however you took it. So yeah. even that, like, that's even what I mean as far as being intentional and, like, being mindful of what your kids are feeling and saying. You know what I mean? Because for us, it would have taken that, my mom sitting down and being like, honey, I didn't mean that you weren't worth the dinner. Right. What I meant was this. You know what I mean? So I think that's great. And that's what I want to do with my kids. Like, when you're feeling insecure or feeling some type of way, come to me and let's talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't with my mom because I knew her response was one-track-minded. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what I meant, so. Okay, yeah. so what did you mean? I don't got to explain nothing to you. Okay? <laughs> so I'm going to just grow up and be fucked up, but I sis, you ain't got to explain shit to me then. Okay. It's so funny because I, me and my sisters, we can't just go to our mom and sit down and have like an open discussion. Like sometimes we can, but she just still has this guard up. So it's like what she says just comes off so ignorant. But like my kids, so like the other day, MJ kept getting like upset over little things. And so he would just be like, mommy, can we talk? Oh my God. Like, can we come upstairs? Stop. Can we talk? And I'm like, okay, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about what I did. And I was just like, that is so cute. Like, I'm so glad that you feel comfortable to come and talk to me. Like, it's just, it's so adorable. Oh but, like, God. he told me the other day, he was like, I'm depressed. And I'm like, <laughs> why? He was like, because I can't read that good. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> stop. I love it so much. Oh, it's so funny. You're five. It's okay. Exactly. I love it so much. They're hilarious. But, um, okay, so moving on. Does anybody want to read this? Because I look you don't. Sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I got you, Shawty. Well, here, you can read off my phone. Okay. It up. So these braces be having me talking crazy. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> okay, so this um, was an Instagram post that had came from Twitter but got followed over into Instagram. Um, his Instagram is Nate Jameson Speaks. 
So I'm just going to read a few slides here. So it says, when all you've been in is bad relationships, you normalize toxic behavior, traits, and actions. Even worse, you begin to believe that's what you deserve. So when someone good comes along, you subconsciously reject them and do things to sabotage the love. Deprogramming and reprogramming has to occur. Healing is a part of the process. Self-love and exploration has to occur. Because if I believe I am internally a mess, my relationships, dating life, and romantic times will eventually become a mess. The amazing thing about human beings is that our minds are our strongest weapons. So by getting to the root of the issue, praying, fasting, seeking therapy, reading, improving your mental and physical health, things will begin to improve for you. My new norm has to be that I believe I deserve healthy, happy, fulfilling relationships because I'm ultimately going to settle down with the person my mind and heart believes I deserve. Your new norm is coming. Believe it. Amen, brother. You better tell him what it is. Shout out to Nate because he was on our show. Yes, sir. And he's a life coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. So believe his words when you hear it. I think that's great advice. I mean, I... I agree with that, too. I think it's a mindset thing and a mindset shift. Like, when you want better for yourself, you know, you're going to chase that mm-hmm. when you're serious about it. And trust yeah. me, you'll get sick of it eventually. Yeah, I read this, and I was like, this is me. And the unlearning of toxic behaviors is really, really hard. Like, it's heal- Yeah, healing yeah, period healing is, is hard. hard. Like, you don't, because you don't even realize you're fucked up. Yep. half the time and then once you realize it it's like okay how do I fix it and it's it's a daily thing and it's a never ending journey you know what I mean you're never mm-hmm. healed it's a constant thing I, I don't know I, I definitely think that trauma attracts trauma yeah you know? yeah. so once you start like you said once you realize that you deserve better you'll start to attract better. Right. And it always starts within self-love, yeah. you know, loving yourself, forgiving yourself, and then you can, you know, forgive other people, learn how to love other people, learn how to build healthy relationships. And I think it's easy, you know, when you're used to being, you know, having toxic relationships and stuff like that, it's easy to stay there because you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I know for the longest time, like, yeah, I realized you know, this is not okay. I'm not doing this right. I wasn't taught right, but I still was feeling stuck for years because I was stuck in my comfort zone. This is what I'm used to. This feels good. So I'm going to keep feeding that. And I'm like, I don't feel whole. I'm not 100% happy. So that's when I realized, like, you have to cut out all this toxic shit. Like, it's not healthy. Yeah. People stay a lot of times, too, out of comfortability and, like, it being familiar and they always say hurt people hurt people. And it it's very, very true. Like you just come in these toxic patterns of like, you know, well, they know what I'm going through because we're both suffering. We're both hurting. But you're only like slowly like killing each other. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it really does start within like the sense of like really taking time to focus on you. No dating, no, no sexual stuff, no entertaining, but really taking that time to learn you and know you will then allow yourself to be 10 times better for that person who you're supposed to be with. You know what I mean? And they should be working on themselves also. But I think they always say like the positivity and and the self-healing is like contagion. You know what I mean? So if somebody sees you doing that, that's automatically going to make them want to become, you know, healed and, 
and that type of thing. And it can be healing is hard. Yes, but it's also beautiful. Like it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. process when you sit down and realize who you are and what you are like since January y'all when I tell you I'm a completely shifted different person when it comes to the way that I think and the way that I handle things in such a good way because I took that personal time to heal myself you know what I mean and not just oh you know I'll get fulfillment out of you know plugging in these small holes where I'm missing things no when you when you take away all those things and it's just you I had a lot of crying nights I remember crying like off and on for like a week straight just kind of feeling the shit that I skipped over mm-hmm. you know what I mean and that was so necessary for me to continue to move on because mm-hmm. a lot of people will be like okay I'm gonna cry tonight and then tomorrow night I'll do something to distract me right and it made me realize that my life was a bunch of distractions I mean you two know I have four jobs I'm in school I'm constantly just going 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 so for me I used to think well yeah I live alone so when I come home at night I feel it no, you don't. When you come home at night, you're doing homework or making yourself food and then you get in the shower and you go to sleep and you repeat, mm-hmm. you know? So having this time off with the quarantine was really like a blessing in disguise. Like it's bittersweet. Cause like, yeah, you're struggling, but at the same time I would have, I would re-struggle like that all over again to find out who I am as deep as I have in the last two months, you know? And like you said, Daryl, it starts within, it had to be, be me being like, all right, cut the bullshit, cut the crap sit down with yourself by yourself for X amount of time and get your shit together. Because mm-hmm. until you do, you're always going to be stuck and in this little, yeah. you know, place or whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. And it's, it's real work. Like it's beyond just sitting here and telling yourself like you deserve better. You deserve to be loved. You deserve this. You deserve that. Like get a therapist, get a life coach, get around people who are going to pour into you because healing is really like a breaking open into your full self. And it's a level of vulnerability that comes with that. And it's not just reading a post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would recommend therapy to every single person I run it. My mom needs it so bad, but at this point at 51 years old, She's not going to do it. She set up an appointment for herself last December and never went. She set it up, canceled it like the same day because she was required to set it up. And it's like people hear therapy and automatically they they think crazy, broken, hurt, you know. Mm -hmm. And regardless if those things are true or whatever you want to call them, that's the point of therapy to change those things. So people shouldn't be scared to go. You know what I mean? It's just an intimidating topic that has been like instilled in us to be like, oh, my God. But I would recommend it to everybody even if you think you're fine, I would recommend going. I agree. Um, I was telling someone that I am in therapy and I have like a counselor slash mentor and they were like, that's not necessary. Like, why don't you just do one? And I'm like, well, because I feel like they both provide something totally different. Like my therapist is my therapist. Yes, they're helping me through life. And it's the same thing I'm getting from counseling, but it's also a spiritual side to it that I feel like I wouldn't get from therapy. And I also like that my therapist is a man and my counselor is a woman. So I just feel like right now, because I feel so broken, I feel like I need both. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody can tell you to have one or the other or none, or, you know what I mean? Six of them. It's what you're comfortable with and what you know you need. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to jump into talking about mental health because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And this kind of leads into um, one of the topics I put on here is talking about people who don't understand what you're dealing with and people that 
downplay like what you're going through like for example you know i have anxiety really bad the smallest thing can trigger my anxiety and people will just be like it's not that serious it's not that deep or my mom would tell my sister like well i don't understand why she's depressed i don't understand why she needs therapy like i I just can't relate and i feel like that's it's kind of rude because Mm -hmm. just because you don't experience it and you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's invalid yeah it's invalid it doesn't matter or they're crazy or they're just tripping yeah so what do you guys just take on it um i 100 percent agree with that because i have anxiety as well and i had an ex um that would gaslight me every time i was dealing with it you know what i mean and it very it made a very that took me to like the lowest place i've ever been like because every time i was having like an anxiety attack or something what he said to me would like overplay in my head over and over and over again and make me feel inferior and make me feel like, you know, beneath everything that was happening. But it was really him and his actions that he wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. And he was throwing those things on me. So I think I think people need to tread lightly when somebody mentions anything being wrong. You know what I mean? Like anything being wrong with them, you can't put yourself. People always say, put the, put you know, put on their shoes. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. Like, as much as I can relate to your anxiety, Dario, yours is completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. We may have anxiety, yes, but the way that you handle things, the way I handle things is completely different. You know what I mean? So I think I think people need to be very careful and tread very light when it comes to people's personal things. Like, you can't force somebody to be personal with you mm-hmm. or, you know, the opposite. I think people need to realize that everybody is going through something else on their own journey and it's not your place to tell them whether they're right or wrong or if they're doing it correctly Mm -hmm. unless you are literally a doctorate professional. You cannot tell somebody yes or no, you should or should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I was listening to this podcast today called In the Light. Uh, The host, she's a therapist and she was um, talking about sexual abuse and this woman was sharing her story about how she got raped and people in her life even family members friends were like well you should have done this or if that was me I would have hit him with something or I would have did this or I would have did that and I really think people have to learn to be quiet yep you know what I mean like I've even experienced that. Y'all know I've talked about it on the show where I was in a situation that was abusive at one point in time. And I can remember a friend telling me, like, that could just never have been me. I would have just never been in that kind of situation. And that's not what someone needs to hear. Like, it's first of all, it's not about you. Yep. Like, let's start there. It's not about you. And... You never know what you're going to do in a situation until until you're you're in in a situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can speak all day long about what someone should have done or what you would have done. But again, it's not about you in that moment. So just shut up. Like, (laughs) it's not hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, people really have to take the approach of when people are coming to you because they feel like you're a safe space. The only response that needs to be given is, how can I support you? Right. What do you need from me? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, I don't need this whole back and forth about, like, well, you should have did, like, okay, but I didn't. Right. So, exactly, like. And you can't tell somebody how to handle 
the situation. Like, yes, that may not be you and you wouldn't stick up or you wouldn't deal with it or that type of thing. And I think if you say those things, you need to have compassion for what they're dealing with, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, cool. That's valid. You wouldn't do that. You you wouldn't put up with that, whatever. But that person is, and you need to have compassion and understanding that they are because we've all put up with something we should not have. Right. Like that toxic-ass relationship I was in, I stayed, literally, I should have left four months in, and I mm-hmm. stayed for a year longer. And it's literally just because it's comfortable, and I've invested time, and I've done this, and I've done that. But now being out of it, yeah, I wish I could tell myself that, but I know in that mindset and where I was, I would have done that all over again because I wouldn't have known better. You know what I mean? And again, sure, you wouldn't do those things. You would have done this differently, whatever. But that person still is hurting and still is coming to you and still is aching. And you need to acknowledge that as well if you're going to throw those little comments around. I agree. And it's just... And I'm not saying it's something that happens overnight because it's something that I had to learn. Because I've been that friend that's like, girl, you need to leave that nigga. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you do that? (laughs) You're stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. girl, what? You know what I mean? I've been that person. And it doesn't make me a good friend. You know what I mean? It actually makes me the lowest kind of friend. And it's like, I can, I will offer you my opinion Mm -hmm. if you ask. And I will be honest about that. But it's like, Whatever you want to do, I support you. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to like it. But I'm not going to talk down on you or tell you you're stupid because you're doing what you feel like you need to do in that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like it gets to a point, too, where you can only tell somebody so much before they do it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't preach and preach and preach at my mom to change her relationship. She has to do it herself. You know what I mean? And she can confide in me and tell me you know, all the things that are going wrong with her and her husband, but mother, you're choosing to stay in it for whatever reason. And I have to be understanding of that. You know what I mean? Like I can't, there's nothing I can do, but just tell you my side, my opinion. And if you choose to stay in it, like you said, I have to support it and just be here and listen to you whenever you want to confide in me. Sunday on mother's day, she was confiding in me about it. And I simply just gave her a, well, mom, you're still in the situation. You know, it's been X amount of years here's my advice to you and then I move on from it you know what I mean I'm sure in the next her birthday's next Friday I'm sure next Friday she'll tell me about it again and there's nothing I can do but be there that opening you know open ear for her and that's what I am every time it's just someone to sit there listen to her give my advice give my side and she continues to go on about her day it's going to take her being like you know what I'm not going to confide in my daughter anymore I'm going to do something about it right you know Mm -hmm. but I mean it's like you said Darielle even the childhood discussion and the healing discussion, stuff has to start within yourself. Like as much as I preached in that toxic relationship, it took me getting sick of the shit and being like, okay, I'm good. My mom always, like when it comes to stuff like that, my mom used to always tell me like, you're sleepy, but you're not tired. Like, (laughs) when you get tired, you'll do something different. Like, and I've said that on the show before and it, still holds true to this day yeah Mm. but you have to let people walk their own journey it's not what you would have did on your path on their path or any of that like you have to let people live their own life Mm -hmm. all right so moving on let's talk about recognizing your triggers okay (laughs) 
looked at this stuff. I'm crying. I literally just put this on here today because I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. So, like, recognizing your triggers in the sense of, like, somebody says something and you're like, oh, like, you catch yourself in the moment or, like. Or, like, you know, related to mental health issues, like, for example, like I said, I have anxiety, I've dealt with depression, and some people may have symptoms but don't know how to recognize it. Okay, I was going to say, the only thing that made me recognize it is going through therapy. I would not have known that I had issues at all until I started talking with somebody and being like, oh, that's what that is when this happens. So I'm not going to lie, beforehand, I did not know what the triggers were. I just thought that was quote unquote, that's me. It's my personality. I'm never going to change. That's bullshit. You've been Mm -hmm. traumatized, girl. Mm -hmm. Get it together. Like that's not just your personality. That's you dealing with a trauma and a trigger that you never knew was there. So for me, I honestly, and that's why I say I recommend therapy to ever. I, everybody I didn't know until I got into it, that that's right. That's what was happening. I think some of my triggers I recognize, but I don't recognize them all. Um, I know something that will flip a switch for me and I get extremely angry, like abnormally angry is when I'm not considered. Mm. Um, And I think I need to dig deeper with that. Like what happened to me as a kid that it would make me so angry. Um, like, I noticed, like, a few weeks back, I literally, like, went off on my parents because they did something that I felt, like, was inconsiderate. Is that about the dinner? The dinner, and there was, <laughs> was another time. Um, <laughs> when I was with them, and my daddy called my mom and asked her what she wanted to eat, mm-hmm. but didn't ask me. Mm-hmm. Um and I went off (laughs) and I stormed out um so yeah I think I need to figure out what that's about um and then I need to look at why saying how I feel is so hard for me like if my view is opposing Mm -hmm. I struggle with vocalizing that and I don't know what that's about I'm not really sure what triggers my anxiety. Um, there's a few things. I know for sure when I don't feel safe in, in anything, um, my anxiety kicks in really bad to the point where I have panic attacks. And then my bouts of depression, I don't know what throws me into a depression. I feel like I go into depression every 28 days with my period. But... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I I haven't started my therapy journey yet, and I have been telling you guys that I'm going to. Um, it's a beautiful thing, man. But I really I really am going to, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna list my triggers because I have a thousand. Everything triggers me. Um, but what helps me recognize it is like, um. I know when I'm having really bad anxiety, when my chest starts to hurt, my heart feels like it's beating super fast. Um, 
And as far as my depression, I just will randomly, like, stare off at the wall and just be zoned out. Or I just feel, like, overly sad, overly emotional, crying. And sometimes it's just for no reason. I just feel like shit. Or I don't want to be around people. Um, So that's when I know I'm having a quote-unquote episode or a moment. Um, Things that help me. Taking car rides, listening to music, praying, journaling. I recently picked back up on reading. Um, Those help me a lot. Or sometimes I literally just have to sit in the car and scream by myself and just let it out. And then I'll feel better. So. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I get Brandy when you were talking it made me think about one of the biggest triggers for me was when people would compare me to my mom just because I have like I don't want to say a negative view on her but like she could have done things better um and I remember the last time I went off on somebody comparing her to me was about a year ago and it was tied to like having that that selfish personal way of thinking like as simple as her being like you don't have any photos of me in your house I'm like, it's not about you, and I'm not purposely not putting them in here. Um, And I think, honestly, I wouldn't have learned how to deal with that, like I said, without going through therapy. So I think a lot of my triggers, the way that they're healed and the way that I deal with them is talking to somebody once a week or once every week about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, whatever's on my mind that week is what I bring to discussion, Um, whatever that may be. Like, if I'm thinking about it the night before, that's what I bring to discussion, Um, because Personally, I was the type that would have never be came to that healing without going through therapy. And that's just a personal thing for me. I can't sit here and try to figure out, like, if I'm going through, like, an anxiety attack, which my anxiety comes when, like, multiple tasks hit me at once and I get overwhelmed, my way of doing that would have just been, like, you know, worrying about it all day but tackling it at the same time. And now I'm learning different ways to deal with when things do stack on top, like putting things that are priority first and things that I can control first, first and handling those. And then the things that I can't control, they just get, you know, left on the back burner, which is fine. Because if you can't do nothing about it, why stress it? Why worry about it? I don't know what what it call what I could call it right now but like I cry a lot more than I feel like I ever have I don't know if it's old age or <laughs> like I don't, I don't know I was taking out the trash the other day and the color purple was on <laughs> no listen y'all know the part where they at the little club thing and sugar singing and then they hear the church and then they walk down and she's singing i literally like was boohooing and i don't know why i mean that might just be like a hormone is that thing, like daddy issues or something i don't know that might be <laughs> Honestly, a hormone thing. I, don't know. I mean I, I don't know that might be hormones because i i cry at everything like literally everything i was having this discussion discussion with one of my friend's mom's on Saturday, like, because I brought her, like, a Mother's Day card and everything, and I was like, um, are you gonna cry? And she's like, no, I don't cry. And I was like, I cry at everything. And I was never that way. I used to clown people. I was like, you a bitch! <laughs> and then now, like, I'm so empathetic that, like, I feel people 
Like, I cried when Shorty died in Frozen 2, even though she came back, spoiler alert. <laughs> I cried when she fucking died. I remember the first time it got bad, I was probably, like, 17 years old, and Stitch died in Stitch 2, and I cried. <laughs> like, I'm crying over fucking fictional characters. So, like, when I see... Okay, I was watching this show called Outlander, and one of the, like, main characters, favorite characters, got stabbed out of nowhere, and I literally, like, gasped as it happened in front of me. I was like... <gasps> What? And then I started crying. Like, and I don't do that. Like, I don't give a shit. But I think that might be hormones or it might be like some shit in that movie that triggered you. You know, you don't know. <laughs> Maybe the way she was singing to brought some shit back and you were like, oh my God, it sounded like so and so and now I'm sad because I don't know, Brandy. I seen this lady had to put her dog down on Facebook. Stop it. <laughs> I cried for an hour, y'all. I would cry too. That's fucked up. And I never seen a dog get put down before, and I no. literally cried for an hour. Uh, I almost had to put my cat down last year. I would die. It's fine. I don't know, y'all. It might just be an emotional woman thing. I don't know. Daryl, quit touching your eyes when you ain't got none. <laughs> it can't even blink. Jesus, I don't know what's going on with him. All right, so last thing for mental health. Um, how to care for someone who is struggling and what advice would you give others? I think it depends on what they're struggling with. Um, sometimes caring for them is recommending them to get help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like something that out of my competency levels I can't help you with that um I can love you and support you but I gotta point you in a different direction um I I just I think it depends on what the struggle is I agree with Brandy I think it's as simple as for me when any friend comes to me I just you know give an extending hand and then give my advice and then I just you know it's up to them from then on to take it or just you know kind of take those steps like brandy said towards you know deeper help but i do my part i do the best i can as far as giving advice and just listening to them and being there for them because that's the worst to come to a friend and they just you tell them your issue and they go oh okay yeah no i'll tell you my side how i feel about it how i think you should move blah 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 and then it's up to you to make the steps you know to better yourself but i think just being an open ear for them yeah is something that matters because everybody wants to feel like they can talk to somebody you know I think it's important to just be supportive and like you guys said just hear them out I know for my sister she's struggling a lot and I may not agree that some of her issues are that big but or I may not understand it but just to be someone she can come to and confide in um Mm -hmm. I try to be that for her or why she you know was waiting to go to therapy I got her a journal I'm gonna just start writing down how you feel yeah um so, yeah, just being supportive and just being understanding, even if you don't agree, even if you don't get it, just letting them vent. Yep. Um, I know for me, too, like, even though I may not listen or do what my friends tell me to do, I always take all of you guys' advice into consideration, and I know this is what I should do or they're correct. I may not do it. Um, but I also don't want to feel like I'm overwhelming everyone with my problems. But I think for me, what helps is like just to vent about it. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily, you know, you guys needed to say anything, but just for me to get it out yep. is very helpful. Yeah. So I think it's really important just to let people talk. 
I agree. I agree too. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So our next post, it says, I used to think communication is key, but it turns out that reciprocation is. Finding someone who has the same energy for you that you have for them. You ride for them, they ride for you. You nurture them, they nurture you. You respect them, they respect you. That's it. That's the goal. And here's her little story. Me and my ex have amazing communication. We talk for five hours straight and really dissect all our issues. But the underlying issue will always be that our love was never mutual. No matter what we face in our relationship, it always seemed to go wrong when it was time for him to treat me like I treated him. Because he didn't love me as much, he never felt the need to change. And because I didn't love myself as much, I never felt the need to leave. At the end of the day, communication without reciprocation is just a bunch of talking. If they don't love you like you love them, I promise you're wasting your time. Please get out there and find people who love you as much as you love them. Friends, lovers, whatever you're in search of. Everybody deserves mutual love. I agree. I do too, but I still think communication is key. Reciprocation is definitely key and understanding is key. I was about to say, key. All of if it. I'm picking one, I think comprehension is Comprehension key. too, is yes. Key. Girl. Mm-hmm. I am huge on reciprocation because I just, when you're continuing to pour into people and you're not getting anything back, it's just, it drains you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm literally giving you all of me and not getting, <laughs> getting anything in return. Like, I be punching the air. Why do you, I wish y'all could see the fuck she just did with her arms. Oh my God. Like, you got me fucked up. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. I think um, I'm a big believer in matching energy, which is just reciprocation as slang. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely am. I think I think things matter more than that. But when it comes down to if it's not, after I've done all these things, you know, worried about the loyalty, the trust, the communication, the comprehension, if all of that is not reciprocated or as we like to say matched energy I can't fuck with it like I'm at the point where it's as simple as if it's not matched energy I'm I'm not with it it just that's just what it is that's even friendships I have let so many friendships go because it was always me pulling that end mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it anymore like I want people that want to be in my life just as much as I want to be in theirs and I always say you guys have probably heard me say this a thousand times on the podcast the people that are in my life I have picked and chosen for a reason Mm -hmm. and I value them more than they will ever know and that's just as simple as what it is like that's it so do y'all feel like it has to be matched energy 100% of the time no because people are going to struggle in any relationship whether it's a friendship or romantic you're going to struggle and that's where you have to carry that person's weight until they come back up to because they're going to carry yours one day you know what I mean and that's a simple that's any relationship, romantic, friends, family. Like, I've had to carry my mom. I've had to carry my dad. I've had to carry my siblings, my best friends, my my spouse. You know what I mean? And that's just what it is. Your relationship is not always going to be A1. You're not always going to be happy. You're not always mm-hmm. going to be, you know, sad either. But it's all about knowing and having that understanding that I got you. Yeah. I feel like you're not going to get it right 100% of the time. There's going to be times... I don't want to fucking do that. I don't, you know, 
and it's okay. Right. Uh, but as long as like you know the whole the core of everything is that we both do for each other, and it's not just one sided all the time. Um, and I also feel like. I find myself sometimes when I do feel like I give, 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 I'm always like, well, I'm not going to share anymore. I'm going to, I'm not going to be nice anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to date anymore. Like, and I had to realize that I shouldn't change the good qualities just because someone didn't receive it well, or they didn't give it back. You just have to find the right people to give that energy to. Yep. Agree. That's a word. Period, poo. (laughs) All right, so what are some things we should normalize? So I saw this post. Let me find it. And it says, can we normalize not having to be busy in order to be left alone? And I've been seeing a lot of different, can we normalize this and that? And I related to this one because, like, sometimes I just don't want to fucking talk. I don't want to text. I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to hang out in that's okay. I don't have to be busy tonight. I'm gonna say, so you mean people's excuse is like, I'm busy, I can't right now, type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Or like people get mad, like, you know, oh, you didn't answer your phone, you weren't doing anything. I don't have to be doing anything. I yeah, just you don't, don't have to want answer that to phone. talk. And yeah. that is okay. Like, yeah. can we normalize that? I agree. We need to. Yeah. yeah. I had to um, kind of talk to myself the other day because I didn't want to leave my house and um ultimately I think my friend was okay with me not wanting to leave the house but we had kind of got our wires crossed about it so once I was like no I didn't have no intention of coming today mm-hmm. um I felt bad about it I was like maybe I need to just go ahead and go but I'm like no like <laughs> you don't have to and that's valid I don't, I don't want to so yeah I I definitely think that People need to train themselves to understand that you don't always have to do something. Mm -hmm. I was telling um, my homeboy the other day, we were talking about this, and I'm like, I don't like people pushing this narrative that if you don't come out of this quarantine season with a new business or a new Mm. idea or a new this or that, what are you doing? Right. And I'm like... To be completely honest, I've been taking my naps. This is like taking okay. a fucking mental break. Because <laughs> some people need that. Yeah. Or, like, just stop pushing people to feel like, oh, you're not successful if you don't have your own business and you ain't shit because you work a nine to five. Like, that is not for everybody. Like, yeah. well, you know what it is, is people, especially our generation, are accustomed to everything being instant and like the instant message like texting is instant messaging it's just a different name like it's instant Dariel you text me I see it I can reply in that instant and I think it's everybody being able to have access at the palm of their hand is making them feel entitled to people's time as well so like you said if you don't answer that phone or don't answer that call or spend time apart from somebody people are taking it personal but it's as simple as I need my mental breaks too and I don't want to answer my phone either like I have been so uninterested in social media over the past month i've slowly been like creeping back from social media anyway because i'm just kind of tired of seeing you almost see the same thing on there somebody's complaining about their ass not being big enough somebody's complaining about somebody doing him wrong somebody's complaining about their job or whatever the case may be and i'm just kind of tired of seeing it and like 
I'm entitled to that, you know? And some people might be like, why aren't you on social media? Because I don't want to be right now. Like, I just kind of want a mental break. Like, the last time I was on Instagram, like, was this morning when I woke up and it was to check my messages and I haven't been on since. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, I don't really want to see everybody's fake ass shit right now. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't want to scroll through stories and see fucking Belize with her ass on the sink trying to get attention from Tyrone. I don't. I'm good. Like, I'm just... I don't know what happened to me, but I'm, I think I'm low-key preparing for work is what it is. Like, I'm just... I know that I'm going to be overwhelmed. So I think I'm trying to ease into things. But you don't owe anybody shit on this planet. That, that's what we need to normalize. You don't owe anybody shit except your damn self mm. and your kids if you got them. But... You don't owe nobody shit. Like, so if you don't want to answer that phone call, fuck off. If you don't want to answer that text, fuck off. If it's an emergency, you know how to get to me. Right. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I want people to start realizing that when people don't want to be bothered or don't want to go out or don't want to talk, stop taking it so fucking personal. Yeah. Like, sometimes like people will want to talk and if I'm like I don't want to right now they get offended and it's like it's not that I don't want to talk to you it's not that I don't care about you or what you have to say but I know my capacity and I can't handle you're this you're exhausted yeah. right now exactly and that's fine I know like if I have this talk and I'm forced to have it I'm going to go off I'm not going to respond correctly so let me get in the right mental space first yeah. like people are just big ass fucking babies and yep. they want you to cater to their feelings and it's like i'm not doing that no i'm not it's like they say and i'm a strong believer in it now it's literally what you just said Darielle. come correct or don't come at all so if you're not ready to come correct you're allowed to take that time to not want to speak to somebody because you know you're not about to come correct yeah you know what i mean and i had to practice that like cliches of sound before 2020 before 2020 i was not coming correct at people i was just boom 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 you know what i mean and now mm -hmm. i'm like oh I'm going to settle what the fuck you just said to me, and I'm going to get back to you in five to ten business days, okay? Because <laughs> if I talk to you right now, you ain't going to like it. I think people got to understand and be intentional about the differences that we have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm an introvert. My friend is an extrovert. How can we meet in the middle? Right. Like, I know this is a hard time for you, so how can I help? You know that this is a breeze for me. Okay. I'm chilling for the most part, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So... How do yeah. we meet in the middle with our differences? And I don't think people understand that, like, we're all our own individual people. selves. Mm -hmm. That's a word. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to react the same way as you, and they're not going to handle situations the same way as you. So be respectful to fuck. <laughs> ASAP. Period. <laughs> all I'm fucking saying. <laughs> all right. So this next post says... Hold on. Okay. You ever been in a situation where you ask someone to do certain things for you, but they never came through? Then as soon as you end, you see them doing all these things that they never did for you with the next person. Becoming who you begged them to be, but for somebody else, you will be told men change for who they want or men change when they're ready. But all being told this will do is make you question your uh your worth as to why you couldn't be the one he wanted or was it a what was it about her that made him want to get ready and not you the reality is this being good doesn't equate to being right your character can be dope you can be hella compatible your beauty can be magnificent your sex can be fireworks but the heart doesn't care about none of that shit 
It only cares about chemistry. <laughs> just because they have better chemistry does not mean she's a better woman than you. That just means she's a better woman for him than you. And that's okay, love. Some chooses some choose apples over oranges. That doesn't mean oranges aren't good. It doesn't mean that it oh, it just means that they wanted apples. I said this before, I would rather a man leave me because he wasn't in love with me anymore than to stay with me because he felt like he owed me that. At at that point, we would both owe it to ourselves to leave and find that find that love we couldn't build with each other. Being right for each other is the key to lasting love. He could be a good man, you could be a good woman, but y'all have to be the right man and the right woman for it to work. And that's something that's mutual. So remember, if you weren't right for him, then he wasn't right for you. Love it. I know, I agree. I, I think, fucking love it. I think people need to stop putting so much pressure on themselves that, like, they failed if, if somebody, you know, if they couldn't fix somebody or whatever the fuck the case is. But at the end of the day, people are in their own personal journeys and if that personal journey doesn't include you or whatever the fuck you want to call it right then and there you have to be respectful of that like I think about um somebody I was with for literally three and a half years and I just got to a point where I was like it's almost like Brandy said people aren't always gonna you know supposed to be on that train with you and like this may be their stop Mm -hmm. like I was at a point where I got to him where I was just kind of like like what her post said, I don't want to stay in this just because I feel like I owe him because we've had all this time together. You know, it just wasn't, he wasn't in my path anymore and that's okay. It had nothing to do with him. Like he may be looking at me like shorty and being like, wow, she did all these things that when I'm, you know, now that I'm gone. And it's like, it doesn't, it's not about you. It's about me and where I was in my personal journey. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think people need to flip the script and just kind of, you know, take a step back and realize that, not everything is about you and stop like Darielle said stop taking things so personal and realize people's intent like they're not intentionally being like fuck you I'm gonna leave you and go show fucking Lance Gross's fine ass (laughs) that he know what the fuck he won't (laughs) it's literally just about your your journey and I think people are entitled to that but people wrong you so much when you're on a personal journey they really do like because they're used to you being up their ass or vice versa that when you really take time to yourself and you're on a personal journey, people take offense to that. And like, like Shorty said, it's like, it has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Like you're working on you and working towards your thing. What's wrong with that? There are assholes out here though, that are purposely, you know, leaving you to go get with so-and-so. So don't forget that. But then again, fuck off. It's like, <laughs> Your face is so funny. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that people can come together and have all of these amazing times and I have great qualities and you have great qualities and it doesn't mean that we're meant to do life together. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that I had to learn. Like, you know, i I've spoken about the person that I felt like broke my heart and damaged me for life. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But I was, I've spoken about that person. And for a long time, like, I would see him get into these other situations with people or relationships with people. And I was envious to an extent. Like, I was good to you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, 
I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And even when we would still have conversations, it was like we still clicked. It was like we picked mm-hmm. up right where we left off. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to be on this journey right. with me. And now I can honor that because I see it more as I learned so much in that relationship and I changed so much in that relationship and I'm thankful for that relationship because it is a part of who I am today. Right. And it I know that I'm capable of extending that kind of love to a person. It just wasn't for you. Yep. And you have the you have ultimately some of the qualities that my husband is going to have. If anything, you helped me see mm-hmm. some of the qualities that I know that I want in a mm-hmm. husband, but you're just not it, my husband. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. I mean, and even with friends, you know what I mean? When people are on that path with you and it's only for a season, you know what I mean? Like, I know that I want, you know what I mean? If me and Dariel, for whatever reason, fell out, I know that I want a friend who supports like Dariel supports. Right. You know what I mean? I know that I want a friend like Kim that is a listening ear. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know that I want a friend like Ashley that is going to give me the real. You know what I mean? Right. It's going to push me beyond what I think my capabilities are. So, you know, you you ultimately it's like a pot you know what yeah. i mean like and you just get these ingredients and you mix it all together and you cultivate the relationships the relation the friendships you know what i mean the dynamic with your kids and all of that just based off of experience yeah, yeah. that's true i think it's easy for people to look at a situation like that and be like you know, upset because they didn't do X, Y, and Z for you, but they're doing it for someone else, you know, to feel jealous, to feel envious, to feel bitter. But you just have to realize, like, you have to take everything for as a lesson. And, you know, I could easily be upset about some things from my past, for people from my past who didn't do what I wanted them to do. But like Brandy said, now I can take that on and I can be like, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. You just got to be happy for people, you know? Yeah. You know, you may not have been a good person to me, but you're a good person to someone else. I'm happy for you. You grew. You learned. You're amazing. And just just be happy. Like, that's really all you can do. Like, you sitting around being upset about it. Stop going to change the situation. Mm-hmm. Just let it go and be happy for them. Well, and you got to trust, too, like, for me, it's from a, steer, a spiritual standpoint. I know that God has so much more for me and so much better for me that there would be no sense in me dwelling in the past and dwelling on something that I can't control. Mm-hmm. You can't control what changed in the past and you can't control what's going to happen in the next five minutes from now. And literally all you can control is the present moment you're in. And like Darielle said, just be happy in that present moment. Sit in that moment and be happy and know that you are fine, you are safe, and you're secure. And if you're not happy in that moment, know that within the next five minutes, your mood could change, mm-hmm. you know, tremendously. And it's okay if, I mean, this is even friendships. I look at one of my, I was friends with her for 13 years before we finally cut things off just because she wasn't a good friend for me. I still want the best for her. I still have love for her. I still care for her. But she's not meant to be in my life and she's not meant to be here with me, for me. But going through our friendship relationship, I know now what I will never put up with as a friend again. And that's what it takes. It takes life is trial and error regardless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It takes going through things to know what you want to accept and what you won't. Like, I don't regret the toxic relationship I went through because if I didn't have it, I wouldn't know to stand still, stand strong and stand tall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think. Like Darielle said, be happy for people. It's fine if that person was not for you. There is a reason. You don't know what could happen down the line between you two that you could have been thankful for that it didn't last 
how it did. You know what I mean? Right. And like I said, it's as simple as me having that spiritual standpoint. And it could be different for the listeners, maybe just having that self-security, knowing that there's more and there's better coming for you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me think about that um, screen recording that I posted the other day on my Instagram of Holly Furtick from Elevation Church. And she was just preaching like God operates in new. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we as people... We want God to fix an old thing instead of allowing God to be God and operate in a new and to mm-hmm. give you yep. new. And I, I don't know. You just you gotta you gotta be open to growth and to change right. and to seasons and people leaving and people coming and it, it, it's ever changing and you just gotta adapt. You know what right. I mean? Because a, a lot of the times, what you find out is that your growth is going to push you beyond a lot of people. You know what I mean? Because we like to think that people are out here on this journey of uh, exploration, but they're not. A Mm -hmm. lot of people are okay living in this clouded state, in Mm -hmm. this state of toxicity. They're okay with it. They don't even know how to come out of it or even if they want to. And it's only a few people that are out here really trying to be better and better themselves. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you really got to be okay with moving beyond people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we talked about a lot of deep and heavy stuff. So let's just end the show um, talking about insecure. I feel like a lot of this was a good segue into insecure. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Kim, you have to watch. Um, I might one day, but I've <laughs> seen it all over Twitter, so I might as well have. Like, I know pretty much the deep, you know. I started mm-hmm. to tell you, like, try to push these five episodes in before I record. <laughs> You're only 30 minutes long. No, I wish it could be, like, spark notes for, like, fucking <laughs> movies. Um, so, I... Issa, let's start with Issa and Molly. Well, say, plus the listeners might not know. True. So, y'all gotta explain it. Or... Spoiler alert if you didn't watch. I, I don't know how I feel about their friendship. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like... And maybe I didn't really pay attention to last season because I just knew they were best friends and they were tight. But, like, I really didn't. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Because I did see something. hmm So, is Molly the one that's dating Issa's ex? No. no that's Condola. Okay. Yeah. Is Molly the boss? Molly's the lawyer. She's a chocolate girl. She's dating the Asian guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... I, I feel like the weirdness came out of nowhere, and I don't really know what was the root of it. But I, I see a lot of people attacking Molly, but I feel like Issa low-key be doing some shit that's not okay either. Like, for example, when she called Molly and asked for a favor, she could have at least started off, hey, how are you? How's your day going? Because clearly Molly was trying to, you know, talk to her about what's going on, and I feel like Issa blew that off, and I feel like that was rude. Um... But as far as, like, the whole um, block party thing, when she asked Molly to plug her with Andrew or whatever, whatever, and she was like, nah, like, I don't want to do that. I think that was okay for her to not feel like she want to get in the middle. But at the same time, I don't think she should have got upset that Nathan went to Andrew because it's like you didn't want to get in the middle of it I didn't put you in the middle of it so I found another way what is the problem mm-hmm. and Andrew wasn't mad about it so where do you ma- like I don't understand what her issue was so I I don't really think last season they really showed 
the breaking down of Molly and Issa's relationship, I do feel like it just came out in this season. Mm -hmm. I know, like, season one, they had some arguments, and, like, Molly telling Issa, like, she didn't even deserve a nigga like Lawrence and (laughs) stuff like that. Like, so, Molly, I feel like Molly has, she's the kind of friend that as long as she feels like she's doing a little bit better than you, Mm -hmm. then she's good. Right. You know what I mean? The first, like, I noticed the first episode, she was like, you know your life don't have to be that mess, this messy, right? Like, it's always, like, an undertone of, like, shade or, like, all you got is problems. It's never, like, girl, I'm your friend and I love you and I want you to do better. Right. And I want you to be better. It's always, like, like, she said, she was like, you know your life ain't got to be this messy. Or, like, what was the real problem with Issa and Condola being friends? You yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah. they didn't, you know what I mean? Like, they were building a relationship before she even found out that Condola was dating right. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Condola didn't come at her side. It, like, it wasn't nothing shady about the way that relationship was built. Right. So, I just feel like Molly's one of those friends. Like, she kick in your face, but then she talk about you mm-hmm. yeah. behind your back. That's where I take issue with Molly. And then the whole situation with the black party. It's funny because it, it depicts how a lot of friendships go. Like, you start to see your friendships going, or your personalities going in different directions. Yeah. You know what I mean? You start to take interest in one thing, your friends start to take an interest in another, and your paths just kind of go separate. Mm-hmm. But it's something that could be fixed with a simple conversation. But nobody wants <clears throat> to have the conversation, so then you right. start seeing those blows, those little right. subtle blows at each other. And it's like, y'all just need to talk. Where I thought Molly it Molly is is that she kept like like she said jabbing at each at Issa taking these little small little digs at Issa, but when she thought Issa was calling, you could see that Molly wanted to talk it out. You right. know what I mean? And it's like stop taking a passive aggressive approach. Tell your friend that you want to talk to her and you feel like things are in a weird space. How do we fix it? Right. Another thing that pissed me off is that you couldn't come to your friend and say, "Hey, girl, I'm feeling away about." where our relationship is going, but you could come to her about your nigga. Right. You could yeah. be vocal about your nigga. Right. Like, no, I I mean, it's just, I don't want to involve that part of my life um, in the, all of this and all of that. Like, you you could easily speak up about the issue you took mm-hmm. when it came to Andrew, but you couldn't tell your friend of however many years, like, I, I feel like things are messed up between us. Mm-hmm. And for her to come at her at the block party, like, you was willing, actually, you was really willing to see your friend fail. Right. I don't care if we beefing, I don't care if we arguing, I don't care if we at each other's throats, I'm never gonna let you fail if it's in my power to do so. Right. You know she what I mean? the whole party. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I don't, like, she, it was just as simple as you asking Andrew to send an email. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know what right. I mean? And she, like, you stay me one little ass favor. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying you should be dependent or your friend should be a crutch for you. But if I can't come to you when I need something Mm -hmm. and you can't come to me when you need something, then what am I here for? Yo, this sounds just like Shorty I was talking about earlier as far as our friendship goes. It was always like that where it's like she could come and and bitch to me about her and her dude and everything and all this type of stuff. But when she had a problem with me, I always heard it through other people. It was never her being able to sit down with me and be like, yo... You know, you had me fucked up when this happened. Yeah. It was always me hearing it through our circle or her fucking family or whoever the fuck it is. Or even like her dude's brother would say something to me. And I'm like, I had no fucking idea. She would smile in my face. Everything was cool for 13 years, y'all. Smile in my face. Everything was cool. 
And then I would find out through the grapevine and I would be the one that would message her and be like, what's the issue? And she would either lie or finally confess up and be like, oh, well, she either lie and be like, nothing's wrong. Uh, they're, they're tripping. I don't know what they're talking about. Or it would turn into like, well, yeah, you had me fucked up when so-and-so and then so-and-so feels the same way. No, they yeah. don't. Yeah. You do and you projected it on them. Yeah. So she need to cut her off what the fuck it sound like. I think Molly and Issa project on each other. I think Issa's more so is unintentional. Like, Issa's just awkward. Like, yeah. she's just she awkward, period. Awkward <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember the second episode, she said something to Molly, like, when she did make a statement, like, girl, you might be moving too fast. You know what yeah. I mean? But Molly could have took the opportunity to, like, no, we had a conversation. And he was like, you know, you're right. Like, I was pushing you away, and I apologize mm-hmm. for that. But again, she didn't take the opportunity to talk to her friend, right, which yeah. is what I don't understand. And truth be told, you wouldn't even be with Andrew if Issa was never with Nathan. Right. So... <laughs> I don't like you bro this is literally my life you know what I mean like not necessarily like I can see why Molly was like you know I asked you or told you like I didn't want to have nothing to do with it so I can see how Molly felt slighted mm-hmm. but at the end of the day what you said was is that you didn't want to be involved right. so she didn't involve you you right. know what I mean and then at the beginning of the last season he was like I mean so you gonna you trying to punish her and yeah. she was like, well, maybe. You know what I mean? Like It's petty. It's petty and it's wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you would rather punish your friend than to show up and support her. Right. Like, for you to even consider like. that you would do, like. Yeah. I also feel like, even though Molly made the comment that, you know, she always made a little ass favor, I feel like she feeds off of that. Like, being the one to always help her. Yeah. But when she's when she sees that Issa's like growing and changing or making new friends, she don't like that. Yeah, she tried to knock her down. Yeah. This is literally my fucking And life. I just feel like the fuck. Speaking to what Kim said, can we normalize having Com- uh, uncomfortable conversation with your friends yeah. speak up yeah. it doesn't have to be a fight you know just tell them how you feel because you know i'm guilty of not saying how i feel and just it's sitting on me and then i don't want to talk to this person because yeah. you know i feel away but we need to start like being open and honest about how we feel especially if we cherish those relationships and friendships say how you feel and right. you could tell that Molly was regretful when they was coming out of the block party. Like you could tell that she was hurt by what she said, but I don't think she gonna they gonna really come back from this. Yeah. Like it, I don't think it's gonna happen this season. And my thing is, is like that's what pisses me off is because like you could see Molly wanting to speak up and be like, hey, she's prideful. You know, this is how that. I'm feeling. But she did the same thing with her dad when she found out her dad cheated on her mom. It was mm-hmm. almost like she had to punish her dad. You know what right. I mean? So you can see Molly's issues kind of developed throughout the seasons but it's like yeah. you you was almost there and you didn't do it but then you yo nigga like it, that's what pisses me off like yeah. you was so frustrated that she she went around you and dealt with your nigga and now it's like you a bitch you this you that you that you that me and Ashley talking about I was like I mean we agreed I was like bro I would have hit you like as soon <laughs> oh as you God. got it as soon as you got in my face like you still that same selfish ass bitch I, I would have hit you like Period. you would have just had to fight yeah yeah I think it's I think it's just whack as hell that like like Darielle said, if you value those people and those people really mean something to you, you should have no problem sitting them down and saying something to them. And that was the issue I had with my childhood girlfriends. There was five of us. And the one girl that cut off, got cut off was the only one that would never be like, hold on, what you just said like kind of hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? She would shit talk. She would do all these things behind your back. And it would come out by accident. And I was always the one pressing like, yo, I know I come off blunt. I know I come off honest. I know I'm a realist. Like, I just tell you what it is. It is what it is. I don't sugarcoat. If I say anything 
that offends you, let me know because that was 100% not my intent. My intent was not to hurt your feelings, not to belittle you, not to make you feel bad. So let me know in the moment, like, yo, you know, that had me messed up. Everybody did it but her. And it got to the point, Molly and uh, Issa are not coming back from that because it got to the point where... I got sick of Shorty constantly doing that. And I was like, you know what? I'm too grown for this, bro. I'm too fucking grown. She was like, I've been stopped fucking with you. That's what I'm saying. I'm too grown. And that's how it goes, though. You start, like you said, people start kind of like going on different paths. About around like the, maybe the ninth year of being her friend, I just kind of started to separate myself and just kind of took a different path Mm -hmm. and just kind of gave her like a piece of me every time we would hang out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, some months were better than others and that type of thing. And literally, like, Issa and Molly's situation, Shorty would not be with the dude she's with now if me and the dude I was dating didn't introduce them. But, like, and they family, bro. So, I don't know. It's just a, it's just whack. It's a whack-ass situation. And I feel like they need to just let it go. Let it go because it's better for y'all to be like, sorry I, to you, fuck off. I hope that they can come back from it, but, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, the dynamic of the show, I think ultimately they will come back from it. I just don't think we're going to see it this season. Yeah. Can we talk about Condola? Condola. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I don't like how she handled Issa. So I called it. Episode one, I told my friends, I was like, she on the phone talking to Nathan. Like, who else could she be talking to? Because yeah. I'm sure Kelly and Tiffany know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she got to be talking to Nathan. So I was right about that. I was like, I called that Condola and Lawrence wasn't going to make it. I was like, I like mm-hmm. them together. I like their communication. But ultimately for the show, I don't think that's going to work out. Yeah. So I think that Condola handled it poorly. I think that Isha should, Issa should have spoken up more in that moment. Yeah. Um, Because you ghosted her. And it, yeah. people, I've been listening to different like recaps and they were posing the question like, is the reason why um, Schoolboy Q dropped out, does it have anything to do with Condola? Because... The last episode mm-hmm. is when he dropped out and Condola also went missing. Right. Um, given that their relationship started before she was aware that she was dating Lawrence, I feel like Condola owed her that to be like, you know, hey, say something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Say something and, and don't just pop up and be like, oh, well, I wasn't even sure if I was going to come. Like, And my thing is, just because Lawrence said if she wouldn't have cheated that they might still be together, why would you take that out on Issa? Right. I, I just didn't understand why she was so upset or like if she felt the way, like you said, she should have communicated that with her. Yeah. That's yeah. not Issa's fault. Yeah. Sorry to that woman. I don't know. I feel like it's a little jealousy. I'm sure. 100%. But I think ultimately, ultimately, Condola knew that she wasn't trying to get any into anything serious right now. Right. Because I think on that one episode, the friend was like, the husband didn't want to be with her anymore. It mm-hmm. wasn't that. She didn't want to be with him. He didn't want to be with her anymore. Right. So, yeah, it's I, I wish that Issa would speak up for herself a, a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, she's very non-confrontational. Because, like I say, even when Molly was in her face, she was just like, you better get your finger out my face. But right, you would have got mushed. Like, That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I just, right. Bitch. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I I. Can't call what's about to happen with Lisa or Lisa, Issa and Nathan. I think that they might be cool, but ultimately, I think she's gonna end up back with Lawrence. I hope so because I feel like they both taking the time to grow. 
Yeah. And I think they will be perfect for each other now. And I think that Andrew needs to call Molly on her shit next episode. Definitely. Like, in the moment, I understand him trying to console her and was like, I never meant to, you know, mm-hmm. cause any kind of issue or whatever the case may be. But I think he needs but you to. But you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think he needs to call her on her shit. And it seems like Molly is the type that she is only going to, like, learn these lessons through a man if that makes sense mm. because each time when Andrew said something is when she kind of was like oh maybe you're right you mm. know what I mean and he was like you see she got all of this going on like that's probably why communication's been off and she was like you know what you're probably right right so I don't think she learns her lessons through her friends if that makes sense yeah so can we talk about how at first Molly felt like she shared everything with Andrew and he didn't share it back yeah uh- um then we talk about this reciprocation yeah bitch we talked about this on the last show too with the oversharing that's a fact Ooh, y'all find that balance i mean i triggered (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's all i'm gonna say that's it it's like i think as women we just want more than those surface level conversations. That's how we truly connect within our friendships with one another. That's how we connect more with men is when you have those more involved conversations, your mm-hmm. upbringing and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just something that's innate within us. We can't help it. Um, Cause I mean, they had only, or the way the show depicted it, they had only been out a few times and she's like, you know, Here's my childhood history, and he's just yeah. like, eh. yeah, because Ethan <laughs> did say something like, "Y'all only been dating for a few months." Yeah, and she was just like, "No, he really doesn't open up." But I mean, he did come back and was like, "You know, I have an issue with mm-hmm. opening up to people." So, we'll say we low key talked about this too when Sally was on, like y'all like putting out all that information on the first date or the first few dates, like how they would personally take it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like. Make he he not the type that wants to talk about that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, but the thing is, you wouldn't know that until you talk about it. Yeah. You know, if he's not expressatory enough to be like, yeah, I don't really like to get into deep things until like I know I can trust somebody or whatever. Yeah. She don't know that. Yeah. You know, so she's just being her authentic self, and his authentic self is I'm not feeling that. But that's where y'all are gonna clash and have to figure out that balance of like, yeah. Okay, well I told you now, play. So we're gonna move forward, or we just gonna move on. I'm gonna tell the next dude. Yeah. It, never mind. Say it. <laughs> say it. Say it. it it's funny because we had that episode and I had went for a walk um, the other day with <laughs> someone and it played back in my head like, don't overshare. Mm. <laughs> it was so funny. I was just like... Okay, yeah. so what the fuck are you talking about? I, I know. Like, let's talk about the flowers. Like, then. I really wish someone could give you a time frame of like when do you start to have those more in depth yeah. conversations? Yeah. Because just those basic conversations about nothing just don't How's your do day? it for me. How are you, you doing? You know what I mean? Like, like either. Yeah, I need an intellectual. I need mean, open ended. Yes, like, I do too. Oh my ass. Sorry, I y'all. don't know. My dad is very intelligent, so like I unintentionally need like. That's what I'm saying. That Loki might be shallow. Or they say, you know, not even that. Because they say that, like, women typically will go for after people like men in their family. So 
My dad is very intellectual. He's very smart. Smartest man. I know he's got like three PhDs. He's physically fit. He's funny. I search for all those things in a partner. So like if I can't sit there and have a deep conversation with you, I'm good. I remember when I was casually dating and this guy got my number. He called me like maybe a day or two later. Our first conversation was so deep that I was like, I'm going to marry you. What the fuck? <laughs> Like it was just, and it, it's, it's like sprung so naturally. And it wasn't even about like us or our childhood. It was about something like, I don't say it's stupid, but it was about like a TV show and it sprung from there. And it was so intellectual and so deep and so beautiful. I was like, marry me tomorrow. Or, and then I, I found out that he, that. then I found out that he read books and my dad's a huge reader. Everyone yeah. in my family reads. And I was like, Andrew, read, nigga. I had a dude too. Well, this guy was not the the guy I'm talking about now. Transition new guy. I'm not a hoe. I promise. I just had my baby face. He um. I was coming back for my birthday, a birthday trip like three years ago, and I thought he was being sexual. I think I talked about this when we were talking about that coffee date. Um, and he was like, "I got something for you when you get back," and I was like, "Oh my god!" He's gonna be like, "It's my dick in a box." He literally like pulled up on me and like gave me a book, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he did." I was yeah. like, "You smart motherfucker! I'll marry you too." <laughs> Okay, which one of you is going to win the prize? But I need I need you to be intellectual. If I can't have a deep conversation, kick rocks. All you talk about is video games and your sweatpants. Yeah, I just like people to be open just because for one, like I'm just big on getting to know people and why they are the way they are. And also because I feel like I didn't really have that from my parents Mm -hmm. where we could just sit and have deep conversations. So now as an adult, like I crave that. And it's a trigger for me when people don't open up, you know? And I feel like a lot of people expect the other person to open up, but then they don't. And it's just like, then I regret sharing so much of, like, my life when I don't get that back. I agree. I mean, yeah, because it kind of feels like it's that reciprocation aspect. It kind of feels like. Well, now I feel stupid. Because I feel like you can be in situations where you know someone, but you really don't know them. And it's just like, how are we supposed to build from this if I don't know much about you? It's so funny because there was somebody I was dating. And once that whole thing ended, I sat back and I thought, like, I really don't know that nigga. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know that nigga. Like. I don't know much about you, like, yeah. but I spent quite a lot of time with you, and yeah. it was like, huh? I'm like, wow. That just reminded me. I took this off, but the Jada thing where she was like, I really don't she know realized Will. she realized she doesn't know Will, and I'm like, this bitch is toxic. Like, I just, I really couldn't understand like how she felt. But then once I thought about <clears throat> it, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Say when I read it, it made sense because. A lot of people, well, first of all, divorce rates are up because it's quarantine. Like, God forbid you have to spend time with your husband. I think that's pitiful. I rebuke that shit. I'm going to want to spend time with my husband. Um, But I think it really does come down to, like, kind of what I was talking about with myself. Like, I'm so distracted that I didn't even know me. You know what I mean? And when you think about couples or married couples or whatever, especially to be a celebrity, your days are full. So the only time you get to know that person is when you have like maybe an hour lunch with them out in public so you can't really get intimate anyway. Or maybe when you come home at night and y'all cook dinner, talk for a second, and then go to sleep. You know what I mean? And then raising kids on top of that, now your kids are a distraction. You don't. 
who he met or who they, you know, met each other as when they were young and got married is completely different to who they are now as like 40, 50 year old people. And it made sense. So I knew what she meant off rip. It wasn't, it was like baller alert or shade room or whoever posed it as to be negative, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't, she was being real in the sense of like, I really don't even know who my husband is. And she didn't mean that like, he's so mean, he's abusive, he sucks. She meant that I was like, damn, like that's a different person that I need to get to know. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like you really do get to know people or like for my case, myself, when you actually have to spend time with yourself. Like, like I said, these last two months for me have been fucking up and down, but I am so thankful for them that like I would do it all over again if I had to. I feel like as you grow friendship, relationship, whatever, you unlock new levels and I, you know, I can feel like I know you because I pay attention to what you do. I know your habits. I know when you're sad. I know when you're happy. But there is, like, deeper things that people have that, you know, we've been friends for years, but you don't know because I don't share. Yeah. So I feel like you just have to get to know people on deep on deeper levels. So just because you know, like, the day-to-day or you yeah. may know things that you see doesn't mean that you really know them. Yeah. yeah. They claim it takes, like, two full years to know somebody. And you still, like, I literally... Like, I was just telling Ashley the other day, I was like, I feel like I'm learning new things about the boys Mm. that I did not know. And these are my god kids, you know what I mean? I see them all the time, but they've been coming over here and they'll stay two days or stay three days and really, like, spending time with them. I'm learning new things about the three of them. Like, dang, I didn't know that you were like that or I didn't Mm -hmm. know that you like that. And it's so crazy. The same thing happened with my mom. We were going to the store and... We ended up having this crazy conversation just about some of her past experiences. And I was just like, wow, I did not, I didn't know that. So I really think that this is a time, like you said, to unlock new Mm -hmm. levels of friendship and relationship that you didn't know existed. Um, But yeah, somebody please let me know, like, when you're supposed to go beyond (laughs) surface level conversations because uh, I don't know. But I feel like I... I, I don't necessarily feel like anything I've shared about myself with somebody I regret. You know what I mean? Like, I've always said, like, I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not that great at starting a conversation, but I can carry a conversation. And yeah. I'm willing to share my story and the things that I've been through with anybody because ultimately the things that we go through aren't for us. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always for somebody else and to help someone else and bring someone else up along with you. So I don't necessarily regret anything. Um, I agree in the same way. Like, if I told you, I told you for a reason and it was intentional. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, shit, we all been through shit. Right. <laughs> Don't act like your shit ain't my shit because your shit ain't shit. <laughs> so, yeah. guys well just remember to take care of your mental health be supportive to your friends and family members if you notice that they're going through something um everyone should go to therapy even if you feel like you have the best relationship with your parents or whoever i think therapy is necessary for everyone um yeah we gave y'all two hours so listen love share like comment repeat (laughs) <laughs> all that shit Rate, subscribe tell a friend shit. to tell a friend tell that friend to tell a friend and yeah we'll catch you next time bye, bye.